1: people are watching and Nebuchadnezzar says hey didn't we throw three guys in there yep three guys who's that fourth guy he looks like a son of God well you're getting real warm and he sees them walking around in the fire unharmed and they called them out of the fiery furnace and not a hair of their head was singed and they did not even smell of smoke you go that's what I want don't we all but they didn't know that God was going to rescue them
0: Have you ever been through the trials of life and ever looked around wondering if God was still there with you? When you're going through extreme circumstances and you feel hard pressed on every side, it's easy to forget that God is still in control and on the throne. As Pastor Danny continues his teaching series through the book of Daniel, he'll be reminding you that God didn't deliver Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego out of the fire, but he was with them in the fire. Now, here's Pastor Danny in the book of Daniel, chapter 3, as he continues his message, Daniel Overview.
1: You're the one everybody else wants to be like. You are the hero in your school. You're the one that's beautiful. You're the one that doesn't have all the pimples. You don't have to deal with that stuff. These are the best of the best, humanly speaking, and they're handpicked by Babylon. And Babylon's goal is very clear. Let's take these very select Jews, these young people, and let's get them to forget about the God of Israel, forget about commitment to him, forget about his values, forget about that heritage, must train them. And for three years, the intention was to train these guys, feed them the food of Babylon, the best food you can get, get them to forget their heritage of faith in the God of Israel. But they underestimated Daniel and his three friends. Read the story, Daniel refused to defile himself with the king's food. God shows them favor. They eat vegetables and drink water and they become healthier than the guys eating the best of the king's delicacies. They refused, even though their names were changed, to forget their connection with the God of heaven. And even though... They were in Babylon, and Babylon was doing everything it could to transform them into Babylonian culture. They never lost connection, and they never lost faith in the God of Israel. It's a great book because it gives me hope not only for the future, it gives me encouragement now that I can live among a godless culture. I can live among godless people and I can be committed to the Lord. But it takes that. It takes commitment. It takes commitment. And it tells me that the best of the best, the most impressive humanly speaking, if you're really committed... You don't have to give in to the world. You don't have to give in to to, to the pressure. You don't have to have the values that everybody else has. You don't have to go that way. You can be committed to the Lord. And Daniel and his three friends, they show us it can be done. Now listen carefully. If you're worth your salt for the kingdom of God and you refuse to adopt the culture of the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, if it feels good, do it, even if it violates a purity issue that God has laid down in his word. Your values are different. Your lifestyle is different. You're not going to be like everybody else. But if you have that commitment, let me tell you what, Satan is not satisfied just saying, well, we can't get to him that way. Because if you remain committed and don't become like everybody else and don't adopt the values and culture of the world, here's what Satan's going to do. He's coming after you in another way. Jesus told us. John chapter 15. Jesus, let us know. Don't be surprised. Here's what he said. John 15, verse 18. If the world hates you, keep in mind it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own, as it is. You don't belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That's why the world hates you. Remember the words I spoke to you. No servant is greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will persecute you also. Some of the favorite stories in the book of Daniel are ones we like to tell, but if you had to live it, you wouldn't enjoy it. I mean, Daniel chapter 3, Nebuchadnezzar builds this great statue. The statue represents himself. And he tells all the people in Babylon, including the Jews that have been deported there, Daniel and his friends. Band's going to strike up, and everybody needs to bow down and worship the statue, which represents King Neb. Daniel is somewhere else, probably on a governmental issue, a governmental responsibility, because he's not in the scene in Daniel 3. It's only Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael. We know them better as Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, but that's the names Babylon gave them. And when the band strikes up and everybody bows down to worship this huge statue that Nebuchadnezzar has set up, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego do not bow. And when everybody else is bowing and you don't bow, you're an easy spot. They get called before King Nebuchadnezzar. He says, I hear that you guys aren't bowing before the, the statue. You're right, O king. And we want you to know we will not bow. Nebuchadnezzar has made a fiery furnace that anybody that does not bow before the statue is going to be thrown into the fiery furnace. He gets so angry at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego that he commands it be made seven times hotter than normal. And a representative for the three speaks and says, we want you to know, O king, our God is able to save us, but even if he does not, we will not bow. I can think the other two going, what do you mean, what if he does not? What do you mean? He will, won't he? (laughs) And they all three get thrown into the fiery furnace. And you love the story, if you know the story, because Neb and his his people are watching. And Nebuchadnezzar says, hey, didn't we throw three guys in there? Yep, three guys. Who's that fourth guy? He looks like a son of God. Well, you're getting real warm. And he sees them walking around in the fire, unharmed. And they called them out of the fiery furnace, and not a hair of their head was singed, and they did not even smell of smoke. You go, that's what I want. Don't we all? But they didn't know that God was going to rescue them. We want you to know, O King, we will not bow. And our God is able to save us, but even if He does not, we will not bow. You're going to remain committed and not go into the culture of this world? Not become like everybody else? Well, here's a wonderful promise from Scripture. Those who would live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. That's a warm, fuzzy promise from God, isn't it? You're worth your salt. The world's not going to like you. Daniel's a book of prophecy. It tells me the future and it gives me hope. I'm looking forward to the King. And He is coming. And He is King of kings and Lord of lords. And when He sets up His kingdom, I'm going to rule and reign with Him forever and ever and ever and ever. But between now and then, i got a great challenge, and so do you. If you have commitment to the Lord, if you have commitment to Jesus Christ, the world, the world hates us. And if you're worth your salt, not only will you not adopt the values of the world and become like everybody else, you will, you will face persecution. It's a book of prophecy. But it's a book that illustration encourages to live in a godless culture and remain committed, and you can do it. Young people can do it. You can do it if you really want to do it. Daniel and his three friends do it. And third and finally, it's a book that God's given us, and it gives us the key to that kind of commitment. Starting when you're young, And staying committed until you're old. What's the key? Right there in the book. It's another one of those favorite stories. Time passes. The Babylonian rule lasted for 70 years. Daniel is a teenager when he comes to Babylon. I don't know how old he was, but he's a young man. Let's just say he's 13. Whatever. Let's just say for argument's sake he's 13. Seventy years go by, he's 83 years old. At 83 years old, the Medes and the Persians come to power. Daniel is so distinguished and has such integrity, he gains a high position in the government of the Medes and the Persians. That's Daniel chapter 6. A man named Darius is the king over the Medes and the Persians now, and they're ruling over the land. And Daniel is a high government officials. The other Medes and Persians don't like Daniel, not only because he's a Jew, but because he's over them. He has a higher position than them. And They have a plot. They have a plan. They go to Darius. We think it'd be good if the next 30 days, anybody that prays to any other God but you ought to be thrown into a den of lions. Darius says, that's a great idea. Make it a law. They make it a law. Daniel chapter 6, verse 10. When Daniel learned the decree had been published, He went home to his upstairs room where the windows opened toward Jerusalem. Three times a day he got down on his knees and he prayed, giving thanks to his God, just as he had done before. I just read you the key. It's from Daniel's life. He's an old saint. He's an old man. He's weathered 70 years of Babylonian rule. And he never gave in to the culture. He remained committed to the God of heaven. He looked forward to the future when the rock cut out but not by human hands would come. And here's the key. You've got to have prophetic perspective. If you ever get caught up and forget where we're headed and forget that you are not a part of this world because of your faith in Jesus Christ, you're going to lose that commitment to the Lord. You've got to not ever, 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 ever live for just this life. You've got to have perspective prophetically. I'm living for another world. I'm living for a future day. I'm living for the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, and He's coming. Daniel had a daily practice. I've been pastoring a long time. It's the one thing I wish I could get every single Christian to do. And it's so hard to get people to do this, do what Daniel did. He developed a daily practice. You learn from his prayer. Isaiah prophesied, you will keep him in perfect peace his mind is stayed on you. That's Daniel. Daniel ain't kicking and screaming. Daniel don't have his door locked. Daniel's not hiding from those that would come get him and throw him into the lion's den. He knows he's going to the lion's den, and he does what he, he just did every day. He opened his windows toward Jerusalem. He knelt before the Lord, and he prayed. And the indication is that while he did not look forward to being thrown into a den of lions, he had peace, he had confidence, he had hope. The tragedy's coming. It's coming. Look, the day's coming you're going to face death. You're going to face trial. You're going to face things. How are we going to face them? Philippians promises, don't be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and petition, let your requests be made known unto God. And if you do, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, it'll guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. I learned from Daniel's prayer. He got down on his knees. I don't understand why we don't get down on our knees. I don't understand. Make it a practice in your devotional life to get on your knees before the Lord. Get on your knees before your knees are too old to get on your knees. Daniel's at least 83 years old. He's still getting on his knees. He probably put a cushion under there, but he's still getting on his knees. He gave thanks. First Thessalonians, Paul says, give thanks in all circumstances for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. <laughs> you're going to a lion's den. You're giving, thank you, Lord. Oh, I'm so thankful, Lord. How do you give thanks when you know you're going into the den of lions? How do you do that? Well, you can only imagine what he might have said. Oh God, I thank you that even though I'm facing death, I know I'm soon going to be with you. I thank you for the hope of my salvation. I thank you that I'm secure in you. I'm looking forward to seeing you. He gave thanks. Maybe he said, Oh God, thank you for all the years of faithfulness. He's an old saint now. He's weathered weathered all the temptation in Babylon. He has remained true to the Lord for years and years and years and years and years in the midst of a godless culture that has tried to change him and his friends. And he refused. Over 70 years, he's been faithful. Faithful. He gave thanks. This is one that we find very easy to do, especially when you're facing a den of lions. He asked God for help. It says when they came to get him to throw him in the den of lions, it says he was making supplication before his God. New New International just says he was asking God for help. Isn't that what Jesus did? In the Garden of Gethsemane? And he asked for a way out, didn't he? I mean, who wouldn't ask for a way out? Lord, if there's any other way. Yet not my will. Yours be done. He asked God for help. And here's what we get in all of it. He had developed this as a daily habit. He had developed this as a daily habit. The psalmist talks about morning, noon, and evening. I will call out to you. That's more than just one time. That's throughout the day. You begin to develop a habit like that, guess what? Your mind's going to be on the Lord 24-7. Now, that clock says 1210. My goal is 1215. Every now and then I'll go a couple of minutes over time. I'm not sure today. If it is, it's one or two minutes. But here's the crux. Of everything we studied. Here's the invitation. Don't answer out loud. Don't answer out loud. This is between us and the Lord individually. Have you developed a daily habit to get along with God? That's the invitation. Make a commitment right now. And if you're saying, Lord, I want to make a commitment. That I'm gonna have a goal of getting along with you on a daily basis. Now, I wanna to try to help you out. If you're making that commitment, if you're making that commitment, what does that look like? What does that look like? Because you can make a heartfelt commitment and then you get up tomorrow and go, well, what am I supposed to do? Here's what you do. Where are you gonna do it? And what time? You already have some kind of routine. If you if you have a job or a schedule, you know what time you're planning on getting up tomorrow. You got to get up this amount of time. You got to eat your breakfast. If you eat breakfast, uh, you got to get dressed. You know, maybe take a shower, brush your teeth, and then you're gone. So, how am I going to make time for God? You got to get up earlier. You're not going to do it unless you get up earlier and make God the priority. I try to start every morning on my knees. I say the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it's done in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. I need daily bread. I need it. I don't know how you want to do it, but I would start with... I'd start on your knees, but that's Look, time and place. Time and place. Where are you going to do it? Where are you going to do it? And what time? And how long? How long? You go to the gym, right? If, If you go to the gym... You, you got a routine. You know how much time it's going to take. How much time are you going to give God? You're physically fit, but spiritually, some of us are just malnourished. In the time you give to be physically fit, how much time are you going to give to be spiritually fit? Now start with something manageable. We get emotional and go, oh, yes, Lord, I'm going to give you two hours. You know, well, that may not be a realist re- reality. Start with something manageable, start with 15 minutes or whatever. But start with something manageable. Okay, you're making a commitment now between you and the Lord. I'm going to get up this time tomorrow. I'm going to give you this amount of time. Right? Okay. You need a Bible. You need to read. You say, I don't read very well. I'm I'm having a hard time. Then get something that you can get the Bible read to you. Put it in your ear. Put it on a record. Whatever. There are all kinds of things you can get these days technologically. But somehow, get the Word of God and have a plan. Don't be haphazard about it. We have a Calvary Chapel Fellowship plan. You don't have to do that plan, but get something where you're going to systematically go through the Bible. Every word is inspired. We need it all. Some people start with a one-year Bible. I remember the first time I read the Bible through in one year. What an accomplishment. It was a great feeling at the end to go, I did it. And now I've tried to read it through at least once a year, every year. It's a great goal to have, but you need a plan, a plan. Don't just go, well, I don't know where I'm going to go today. No, get a plan. And my last suggestion, this has helped me. I'm the least likely person to do this. I do it with a computer now. I did it not, I did it this week, a couple of times this week. I don't do it every day. I used to do it every day. You do it however you want it, however you feel led. But here's what journaling will do. You say, what do you journal? Sometimes I journal my thoughts based on the scripture. I was in Psalm 143 this week and God spoke to me so personally out of Psalm 143. And I typed in, oh Lord, thank you. What a great word. I'll Type in sometimes a revelation that I get. Oh Lord, I see this, and I'll type it in. Sometimes I'll type in questions. I'll type in prayers. Here's what will help you in being focused in prayer: try journaling. One of the greatest challenges when you start to pray is your mind starts to wonder. Are you seeing so that X feeling? You know, oh man, I just going to go to sleep. You know, well, journaling, either writing it or typing it, helps keep you alert. And focused. So I offer that a time and a place. When are you going to do it tomorrow? And make it a daily, daily goal, daily goal. You need a Bible. You need a plan. And maybe you want to try journaling. And you want to read the word, meditate on the word, and then spend some time in prayer. Now, last but not least, it's 1215. It's 1215. Some of you have been doing the 15 minutes or whatever for 18, 20 years. Why don't you extend it? Why don't you make a commitment to say, you know what? I've been doing this a little bit of time, you know, for all these years. I think I'm mature enough now and disciplined enough now. i want to add something to it. I remember when I went from the one-year Bible to I did my own plan, and I was reading through more than once a year. Maybe you want to read through more than once a year. I'm not telling you how to do it, but maybe you've been doing it, and this much time, maybe you want to add time. I do a prayer walk now beyond my morning devotional time. A lot of times I do my prayer walk at Bush Gardens. You might think I'm crazy. I hear from God. I try to go when it's not crowded. I have a route. I get physical exercise. I get a global vision. And I talk to the Lord. Now, I don't walk around talking out loud. (laughs) But if you're in a place you can walk and nobody else is around, you can talk to the Lord out loud and you can just share. And it's wonderful. Maybe add something to your devotional life. Time. Another time during the day, set a time two or three times a week, do a prayer walk, do it at lunch, skip a meal, do it in the evening, but whatever you do, whatever you do, develop a daily devotional life.
0: And he has been walking you through several books of scripture in a study called Gleanings from the Old Testament. He's been highlighting important stories and characters, demonstrating how they fit in God's kingdom plans. These people you've been meeting didn't have the benefit of the entire Bible to live from. They didn't know Jesus personally. They only had the promise of salvation to come. In fact, many of the people you'll continue to learn about had to trust God to fulfill the promises that He had made to them, even though they wouldn't be fully realized even in their lifetime. God continues to make promises today to you and to other faithful followers. Those things may be fulfilled while you're still alive, but it's possible that the promise is something for the future, something that you have a part in but won't see fully until you're with him in heaven. Today, be courageous, stand firm in what the Lord has told you, and follow him faithfully anyway. You have a part to play in God's kingdom plan, so walk it out with confidence with your creator. We're so glad that you joined us today on The Living Word. We'd like to pray for you during this study Would you send us an email and let us know how we can do that? Connect with us at info at ccfstpete.church. That's info at ccfstpete.church. That's all the time we have for today. Join Pastor Danny next time to continue studying in the Old Testament right here on The Living Word.